0: What would you like the power to
1: do? Mobile banking
0: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: What's happening, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Crossed Up. Thursday morning, Anthony Sanfilippo, after the Phillies sweep away the Miami Marlins. I looked like an idiot. I was stressing. I said, oh boy, it's going to be a miserable, miserable week at Citizens Bank Park. I think the Phillies will survive. They did more than survive. They they beat the shit out of the Marlins, uh, especially in game two. Uh, made quick work of them. And uh, you were down there uh, last night. We were both down there on uh, Tuesday night. You, uh, you take some beers to the face last night or what
0: (laughs) (laughs) you can. So I, you know, Pagan was, you know, like, Hey, you know, we need some video from, from the clubhouse. And I'm like, all right, I'll do the, I'll do the whole video thing. I'll risk it. I'll get in, you know, get in the mix and I'll get in the line of fire. And, uh, I got utterly destroyed with, with beers. Ranger Suarez sprayed one in my face. Um, I don't think it was intentional. He was trying to get a guy who was like next to me, and it it just kind of sprayed and got me. Um, You know, Diego, who I wrote that story about, he's for the second time decided to pour beers over my head, right over the top of my head. But he got everybody, like all the right. Like he got Tim Kelly, he he got Jack Fritz, he got every he got everybody uh, in the in the clubhouse last night. Um, And you know, I got all those videos and I sent them in. And and Pagan's like this is really good shit, and then used one of the like six I sent. He like oh, used everybody else's to, videos instead of mine.
1: Yeah, it's just easier to steal everybody else's stuff. So <laughs> yeah,
0: instead of just uploading it, uploading the ones I send, right? Uh, but I will say this, Bob, it was a little more subdued in there last night than any of the previous ones that I've been at. So this was this would be the fourth spraying party that I've mm-hmm. been at because I was at the Braves and Padres one last year, and then I was at the, the clincher against the, after the Pirates game. So this is the fourth time I've been in that, in that situation. And this one was far more subdued than the other three. What was the number one? Was it the Padres one? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That Cause that one, was the
1: one I was, I was yeah. there for that one. And, uh, that, that was chaos. Pre-
0: that was pretty <laughs> insane. And then I would say, and then I would say, um, I would say the one against the pirates probably topped the one against the Braves a little bit. Like, I mean, I really, really do think it, it, it did. Um, But, uh, but yeah, last night's was easily the most subdued of them all. Not everybody participated. I mean, it was, you know, a lot of the same, you know, usual suspects, you know, Stubbs and Schwarber and Marsh, uh, like really mixing it up. Freaking Orion Kirkering is like right in there with them. Like he's like, he's been around for, you know, five years. Um,
1: those are probably yeah. some of the first beers he's had in his life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh Ranger Suarez, you know, Wheeler was having fun a little bit last night. He was running around chasing people. Christopher Sanchez was really kind of like having a good time. Yeah. Um, and then you had Soto and and I think it was Soto and Bohm were were trading tequila shots for a little while. So like there was, I mean, there was partying. It was, I don't want to make it sound like nobody any, was partying. Any
1: prominent player that that just was like visibly out. Just kind of like, nah, not tonight. Yeah, I mean Harper
0: it did it a little bit at the beginning, but then like stepped aside. Castellanos yeah. was not there real at all. Didn't even uh-huh. see him in the in the clubhouse at all. Um, you know Turner. I mean, I know he went and partied with them at uh, Xfinity afterwards, but he was not in the initial mix. Um, so I kind of felt like it was guys didn't want to maybe tie one on last right. night and so they just kind of like you know after the initial celebration even guys like stott and romuto i mean they were there and they participated a little bit in the beginning but then they kind of stepped to the side um you know they were doing that they were caught up in interviews a lot too so
1: well uh, this, it's the third game stuff you saw on television like okay wow well, they're doing the thing again but it didn't seem to have the legs that the the pirates it, one had
0: it certainly didn't it was over quick like i at one point like i shot like i don't know five or six videos and then I like looked up to see, okay, where am I going next? And I was like, oh man, like the room kind of cleared out. Yeah. Like it was, I mean, it's still party and they were still doing their thing, but it was not shoulder to shoulder kind of, you know, that, that whole center aisle or center part of the room uh, was pretty empty at that point. It was, it was like, it was like, it reminded me of like one uh, in the morning on a Saturday at a nightclub <laughs> on the dance floor is what it kind of reminded yeah. me of. Right.
1: Well, I mean, listen, I'm a, a big proponent of celebrate these wins I'm not a a guy that's like, act like you've been there before. Baseball's hard. It's hard to get to these these spots. It's certainly hard to win in them. And so when you do, you know, I I think it's worth the celebration. That being said, I kind of like to hear from you that you felt that it was a little bit more subdued last night because this is the season now. Like, And and I don't want to write off what they just accomplished. We're going to dive into these games and and talk about what they mean and, and what you can kind of sort through and say, what does it mean? moving forward and all that. But you know, I know we all know we've been talking about this theoretical Braves Phillies rematch in the NLDS for months now. And we have that matchup and this is really all I wanted. Uh, This is, this is what I wanted because I, I think for, for so many reasons, one, you want to see, can they do it again? What are these guys made of? Can for the second straight season, they finish 14 games behind a team and then knock them out in the playoffs. There's so many storylines and there's so many compelling angles to this thing. And it's this, my brain says historic offense, 104 win team, owes the Phillies one, has home field advantage. And then there's this gut feeling part of me that's like, the Phillies might beat these guys and I'm not going to like, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this thing because the, you know, I'm a prisoner of the moment. I saw the Phillies beat the Marlins twice. I'm not going to say the Phillies are beating the Braves. Now I'm not going to change my prediction, but there is a a strong part of me. That's like, man, I know how the intangibles of sports work and it feels like they have the upper hand in that department. And it, the the difference for me, Anthony is your guy, Aaron Nola, last night. Seven innings, what, he threw 88 pitches, faced two batters over the minimum, had two runners in scoring position the entire competitive portion of the game. He was awesome, and it's the third straight start that he's been awesome. I think he has a one ERA with like a .72 whip over his last three starts. They get that version of Aaron Nola in the NLDS. It's not just about like vibes and intangibles and these guys are tough and resilient. It's that like dude, maybe they have the starting pitching to actually take this team down.
0: Did you happen to catch Skip Schumacher's press conference last night?
1: No, but I, I did read this morning that, uh, you know, he basically said that those two guys together were were the series. Um, he,
0: he called Nola, he said, Nola and Wheeler are the best tandem in Major League Baseball. That's a lot. I mean, yeah, you know.
1: That's strong. That's strong. Yeah. I mean, I think that those two guys on the twins after this week might have something to say. About I, agree, it. I, agree.
0: I was going to say, I kind of agree, but you know, and then he also said the other great line was um, he said, Nolan Wheeler are going to haunt my dreams yeah. because he was part of the Cardinals staff last year. And those guys pitched incredible against the Cardinals. And then they, you know, now he's the manager of the Marlins and they went out and did basically the same thing against the Marlins. So, um, that was the the reason he said that is because, you know, two years in a row, he's in the playoffs and those guys dominate his teams two years in a row. But, yeah, I mean, look, there was something and Bob, I don't know if you remember this. So we didn't do a story on it. We didn't even really talk about it um, on the show. But. Anthony, Anthony Jr. sent me a, um, an image from from uh, Baseball Savant StatCast, and I sent it over to you and. Um, Talking about his Aaron Nola's mm-hmm. uh, release point and how it had changed this year over the course of the year as compared to previous seasons. Um, and it wasn't a huge difference, but it was, I mean, you're talking about, you know, a release point being, you know, two to three inches off, right? Doesn't sound like a lot. But when you see that curveballs weren't breaking the way he wanted the break or the sinker wasn't hitting a spot like he used to hit the spots. And now all of a sudden he's given up 32 home runs this year. And, and, you know, he's having those blow up innings and he can't figure out why. Nola talked about it after the game last night and said they made, uh, after the start in Milwaukee, they made a mechanical adjustment, which was basically getting his shoulder a little bit more square to the plate on delivery. And it got him back to throwing the pitches the way he wanted to throw them. Now, he didn't say in the thing that, oh, I got back to my release point being where it was. But I decided to look it up on StatCast just for last night. Say, hey, what was was the release point for for his pitches? And they were all closer to where they had been previously. That was just, again, just last night's map. I'm not going off of three games or anything. I'm just looking at one game and it's like holy cow maybe that really was a thing it was just a matter of he was releasing the ball too early because he was get he was not square in his delivery and it just was a simple little thing he fixed it found it and now all of a sudden you get three straight games like this
1: i actually would be encouraged by that if you could point to something in terms of the mechanics you 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 can point to something in terms of what he's actually doing and executing the pitches to say, he's made this adjustment. Now look at these numbers. I would feel better about that than just, well, no, I'm actually just throwing the ball like I have all year. There's been no conscious decision or effort to change anything. I just happen to be getting better results right now. Yeah. You know, listen, he didn't overpower the Marlins last night. He didn't rack up eight, nine strikeouts. There was a lot of contact, some of it hard, Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: you know, Hey, listen, I mean, that's, each game's different. You have a game plan going in, and he was able to execute what, what they wanted him to do last night. And I think that there is, there is a psychological part of this. Um, talk about Aaron Noll the success that he's had, the pitcher that he's been for this team, the pitcher that he was in college throughout his amateur career. When you struggle to the extent that he has struggled this year, there's no question. There's just no question. And I mean, he's talked about it at different points mm-hmm. that it, it wears on him. It's frustrating. It's disappointing. And whether or not he's going to admit that the contract thing is on his mind or has been on his mind at any point, like all of that stuff as a human being is going to add up and probably have an impact on you. So I just like that from a confidence standpoint, from a momentum standpoint, just like a his ability to prove to himself, oh yeah, I can still do this when it really matters. I think it's important against a team like the Braves, you know, the Marlins aren't a great offensive team, but I I just, I love the fact that he's at least going to take this next start against Atlanta in a spot where he probably feels good about himself. I'm not telling you that that's going to carry him for 21 outs or that he's going to dial up another performance like this just because, but you need everything to align favorably when you're going up like in a spot like this. I I really believe that. So I I think it's really encouraging that he's coming in at a good spot. You know, and you look back at what Zach Wheeler did in game one, the reason why you could talk yourself into the Phillies last year was because Nola Wheeler, Nola Wheeler, some really good back of the bullpen arms, and then, you know, sprinkle in your stud offensive players. I could not get to a place this season watching Aaron Nola pitch the way that he has or the way that he did and talk myself into a deep playoff run with just one starting pitcher and a bunch of number fours. You know, I mean, ultimately that's basically what the Phillies have. Maybe Ranger Suarez is a three, maybe Aaron Nolan on a, a good day. They were rare, was like a number three type starter. Right now they look like they have that one A, one B mix again.
0: We'll see. And, and you know, one, one thing, and it's funny, and I recommend anyone, look look up the Schumacher postgame press conference because it's a nine-minute press conference about the Marlins, and he spends about seven minutes talking about the Phillies. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the other things that he talked about was the importance of Real Muto. He gave him a lot of flowers. I mean, he gave him a bunch of bouquets because it was, hey, they changed the way they call the game against us. And it was interesting because I had asked Nola about this the day before and he said no, you approach it the same way it's you know mm-hmm. everybody knows each other and yeah you know, he, he and Schumacher pointed out like specific pitches like throwing th- a 3-1 changeup to Brian De La Cruz like they were not they, you know Nola had never done that before in that spot and that's he, what he gave him and he got him with it right you, you know mm-hmm. got him to hit a, a weak ground ball um and and so that's you know the, he ta- he really gave real muto credit for changing up the way the game plan against the Marlins and the Marlins not being ready for it and not being able to adjust to it. So, you know, that's, we know the pitchers are, are, you know, hard at work at this. We've heard from Garrett Stubbs told us how much work Nola does specifically in preparation for, for a game and for a start. So we know that's part of it too, but you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta give credit where credit's due, man. Like that, real Muto is working that too. And he's calling that out to say that it was real Muto. That's, that's calling those, you know, calling that game. That's, that's pretty awesome. I mean, that's, you know, we haven't talked enough about JT. I mean, he has a home run last night, a double last night. Um, But the way he called those two games is probably an underrated aspect of, of what happened in this series.
1: Fair to say that the Marlins, did you feel that the Marlins uh, were impacted
0: by the crowd this week? Game one, for sure. Yeah. I felt it for sure in game one. Game two, maybe not. I mean, Garrick actually got off to a pretty solid start mm-hmm. for them. He had, what, five strikeouts in the first couple innings, and um, Phillies had some bad at-bats in there, and, you know, they weren't working him, and, you know, whatever. I, I was surprised Schumacher pulled him as early as he did.
1: I- I'm, I'm surprised uh, a little bit myself. I did go back and dig into this, and I hate this phrase like this is one of these phrases when when people say it I kind of go but I'm tired and I just don't have a a better way of saying it it's it sort of felt like Braxton Garrett blew his load early in in the game last night he he came out his velocity was up a little bit it was like 92 and a half nipping 93 shade over and then by the third inning he was down to 90 you know, and maybe just a, a little over like 90.2, like the fastball velocity significantly declined and it, it did so quickly from the first to the third inning, which is when the Phillies got to him. Uh, I thought Josh Bell could have made that play on Kyle Schwarber's double down the mm-hmm. line. I, that was a, a critical, I don't want to say it was a mistake by Bell, but it was a play that if it gets made, it changes certainly the complexion of the inning and maybe the game, but John Birdie um, in the top of the inning, The Marlins, I think, had an opportunity to throw one punch last night, and and it was in that third inning with Birdie on second base, one out. You have, um, I believe it was Stallings up, who can't hit. I mean, he's a dismal hitter, but you had – And it
0: was a a 3-2 count.
1: Yeah, 3-2 pitch, so maybe you feel like, okay, here we go. Runner on second now. They didn't make the play out in left field. Now Noel is going to walk a 191 hitting Jacob Stallings. It's going to be first and second. Here comes Luis Arias. Oh, shit. And instead, it's pickoff at second base. Stallings is out. Out of the inning, clean, and it just kind of felt like that was it. And and then the Phillies come out and they put the two on the board. And we've seen Aaron Nola struggle to hold leads, multi-run leads all year. So I'm not telling you that that was ball game, but it really felt like the Marlins missed their chance to to maybe make a run at it last yeah. night.
0: Yeah, and and, and Nola even said afterwards that he felt like that was a momentum-changing yeah. situation. Like you know, because the, 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 he felt like it, it deflated the Marlins a little bit, but they missed an opportunity there, and it pumped up the Phillies, and they came out and got a couple of runs. And I know that that Garrett's um, velocity was down in that inning, and they got a couple of runs off of him, but it was only a couple of runs. And you're going to sit there and say, I'd rather go the next two plus innings with David Robertson out of the pen than. Yeah. In you know, fairness, know
1: what I'm saying? Like, so, I, in fairness I just to Schumacher, I know he gives up the home run to Real Muto, but he goes two innings, gives up one run, ton of strikeouts. Like, I mean, like, I didn't think Robertson like buried them by any means last night. And if you're looking at it from from Schumacher's point of view, I I kind of would say, you know, hey, we're down one nothing. I know that the Phillies have really good career. Several Phillies hitters have very good career numbers against my guy here. I see the velocities down. I don't love the way that that third inning looked. Like, I, I have to kind of be a little bit more all in, you know, show a little bit more urgency in the moment, try to match up my way through it. I get it. I understand what you're saying. I'm not even necessarily disagreeing with it, but I don't think that Skip Schumacher pulling Braxton Garrett last night was was the difference. I mean, no, I mean, no, it's not,
0: right? No, it's not the difference. But, I, like, you know, I wonder if you just – let him go back out to start the inning and have somebody ready to go if all of a sudden you know first sign of trouble in the inning. Yeah, but if a big guy yeah. did strike out five guys in the first three innings, I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, there was some swing and miss there. I I don't know. I just thought that I, I thought that they it was a little overmanaged in my mind. But it, yes, it was not the difference <laughs> by any means.
1: So Aaron all is obviously the story of Game Two, and and if if he's the lead story, right next to it is the Bryson Stott grand slam, and. First of all, you certainly have to appreciate the moment for what it was. It, it, it sent the crowd into just absolute insanity. Uh, it won the game. I mean, it effectively, as I, I wrote this morning, it it effectively ended the competitive portion of the game and series. Yep. Uh, second Grand Slam in, in Philly's postseason history. Great moment. I always try to look at it, though, like, because, as I said at the top of the show, this is about the NLDS. This is about the Braves. One of the concerns I had coming into the postseason was about Bryson Stott. And not because I don't think he's a good player. I, I love Bryson Stott. I think that that he's he's an it guy, right? Like, I always talk about that, having that it factor. I've been saying it for over a year now that, that I think he's that dude. But he struggled down the stretch. I mean, he really struggled down the stretch. His final 30 regular season games, I believe he hit 212 with a 580 OPS – and I wondered, like, is it is it just uh, a funk that he's in, or is he tired? Is he wearing down? And he gets the three-hit game on Sunday. I think I actually referenced that earlier in the week when we were talking. Yeah. So, hey, maybe this gets him going. He had a big hit in game one, and then obviously delivers the grand slam in game two. You take the struggles down the stretch in September, though, and you pair them up with a really, really tough postseason last year, especially the World Series. And I went, oh, man, like, has are we in that same place again? Really nice to see him get it going because you know they're gonna need to fire up and down this lineup to run with the Braves in this series. And you you kind of feel really good about where Bryson Stott is right now. Uh maybe after having some concerns a week ago.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, he he did strike out three times last night, right? I mean, so the you know, the, the Grand Slam was in between all that. Um you know, you still there's still been a couple of at bats where he hasn't looked great. So I think he's still kind of working his way out of it. It's not like it's like oh yeah, hit the home run, everything's fine now.
1: Wow. Um,
0: but you know, I also put that in perspective to say that you know, to to the Marlins' credit, I mean, they threw lefties at him that were. That are tough on left-handers, really tough on left-handers. And I mean, look—you saw Bryce Harper struggle with these lefties, right? I mean, it, it's not like—it's not like it's just, oh, here's the, the typical left on left, ah, Bob, No, they can't hit lefties. Why can't anybody hit lefties? That's not that. It's that the Marlins have good lefties, and that's and that's why these guys struggled against them. Um, so it was great. It was, but it was great to see Stock come up in that spot. And and the best thing about it, Bob, and the Phillies are really good with this. A lot of times after there's a mound visit. Right. Whether it's the catcher just going out to talk to the pitcher or the pitching coach coming out to talk to him. It's obviously it's usually being done to settle down the pitcher or whatever the case might be. And of course, you know, the bases were loaded because of uh, an error and an intentional walk. Right. That were that were in there. Um, And then Stott comes up and, you know, he's not a first ball fastball kind of guy. Like he's not looking to swing it at a first pitch fastball. And he, they know a lot of times in that spot, especially with the bases loaded, the pitcher's trying to get strike one, and they'd like to attack it. And so the fact that Stott, who doesn't usually do that, does it, <laughs> tells you that he's got a real – hes he's pretty locked in. He's got a real sense for the moment and sense for – you know what's about to happen, and didn't want to let it get late into that at bat. He went right after the first pitch, and that's why he crushes it out of the park. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you.
1: I, I always just wonder if those moments translate. Like, do do you have that moment, and does it mean anything beyond it? And like, do you just say like, is? I think sometimes we we overrate these things, or I I think I'm guilty of this. Like, especially when you get into these postseason games, but you'd like to think. Great at bat, great approach. Set him up. Watch out now. And I think that I am. I've I've always kind of said it with you. Like him in big spots. You like him in in tough situations. He delivers. I just. I think when I look at this Phillies Brave series, like I know. Somebody said to me, "Hey, do you think they can do it? Do you think that they're going to beat them?" And I said, "Listen, I I don't know." I said, because you can feel so good about where the Phillies are at right now. Like if, if you just look at the Phillies, you love everything about them. Big arms at the back of the bullpen. You love what what Wheeler and Nola are doing. You know that they hit the most home runs out of any team in baseball the final two months of the season. They have a ton of thump. I know they only hit two home runs this week, but they had, what, 10 extra base hits, eight doubles and two homers? I mean, they're they have that thump. Like, you love this Phillies team. And then you put the the vibes and the emotion and all the feeling into it. You say, man, like they're, they're unstoppable. But then you get into the third inning on Saturday and Ronald Acuna hits one 449 feet. And like, none of that stuff really matters. Like in terms Mm -hmm. of like, look at all the momentum, it it doesn't matter. So I don't know, but I, I, I need signals like, and I I'm looking for signals like, can Bryson-Stott do it. Yeah, it looks like it. Alec Bohm, I liked his at-bats. Some of his at-bats this week. You saw Castellanos in game one. Trey Turner was, what, four for seven? He was on base five out of eight times, two doubles, had a walk. Really good series for him. Like, there was – I feel like the Phillies need everything to click to take down the Braves. I do. Maybe I'm overestimating what Atlanta is, especially with the pitching issues and, and uncertainties, but I feel like that the Phillies need everything to click. And – There are so many positive signals, and here's the other one. I don't know if you've ever been a a gambler. I don't know if you've ever been a a guy that, whether it's betting on sports or you go down to Atlantic City and you're standing at a roulette table and you have red and it it hits black seven times in a row. I'm always the guy that's like, well, it's got to hit eventually. The longer you stay in this thing and Kyle Schwarber hasn't homered, the longer you stay in this thing and Bryce Harper hasn't gone absolutely off, you know that's coming, right? Mm-hmm. And and so I, I have that in the back of my mind too, because like Schwarber had the big hit last night, and I know he singled to start Game One. But Bryce Harper is on base a couple of times, but Bryce Harper didn't have any moments in this series. Like you know that's coming, right?
0: And I felt that Bryce showed a little bit of frustration in this series early in this in the in Game Two, when he comes up with a runner a runners on base and he struck out. But every swing was he was trying to put the ball into the parking lot. I mean, yeah. and rather than, you know, rather than just take a, you got a runner in scoring position, rather than just, you know, take a nice, easy swing, get a base hit, score a run, he's trying to, he was overdoing it a little bit. So I, I sensed a little bit of that Bryce frustration that sometimes comes out. Um, <clears throat> and I think that he's going to look to unleash a little bit of that on Atlanta.
1: It's, it's interesting. Does that does unleashing that mean that he comes out and takes all that frustration and it, it turns into an extra violent swing? Because I, I look at it and say he probably was trying to make that moment immediate, like immediately like, have that immediate impact. I actually like the fact that they have 2 days to kind of reset here because he's probably going to use these 2 days to say like okay dude like you're trying to do too much let's get back to basics here and just be Bryce Harper and, I, and that's what I think he's going to do. I,
0: I do. I think that you're right and I and I also think that it, it helps that he's going to see pitchers from the right side. Mm-hmm. I mean they don't have you know I mean you're going to get freed but again like like we've talked about before I'm not convinced he's going to give you a a long outing in the game that he pitches because he hasn't pitched in through you know two and a half weeks I guess at this point. Um but other than that you're going to get mostly right-handed pitchers uh, with Atlanta. Um they do have a couple lefties in the bullpen but it's more right than left. So I think Harper's going to have a, a a better chance to see the ball as well better and and, and really kind of get his swing on on pitches. I think he's going to have a Bryce Harper type series against the Braves that he had like like he had last year
1: what do you make of the fact and this is the last thing I want to talk about unless you have anything else you want to get into about the Marlins series specifically what do you make of the fact that they kind of were able to get through this without Ranger Suarez without Christopher Sanchez without Sir Anthony Dominguez um is that is that an added plus especially with the bullpen like or do you kind of almost look at it and say like now I have no idea what to expect from a Dominguez if he comes into a game after being on ice for a week plus. Like, what what do you what do you make of the the lack of usage of the bullpen almost?
0: Well, I mean, I, I think it's partly because of how well Wheeler and Nola pitched. Right? I mean, what are you going to what are like you a great
1: think? problem to have? Like, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> you want that, like, you want to have yeah. that problem, but like. Do you say, like, okay, more I, I, of a reset for Sir Anthony Dominguez is a positive? Like, how well, do you-
0: I, Yeah, I mean, here's the thing that I will say, though, Bob. Twice before the Grand Slam, I know. I know. They, had, you know. they had the bullpen up. Okay. The one time was Jose Alvarado, mm-hmm. the other time was Jeff Hoffman. I know. And those were earlier in the, like, in the, the, the Alvarado one was in the fifth inning. The Hoffman one was in the sixth inning.
1: They had Alvarado up when Nola or, was at sixty pitches, I believe. Yeah,
0: yeah, both and like they were like I first I saw Alvarado out there and I just thought he was stretching, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he's throwing and I'm like, why? Yeah, <laughs> like, like yeah. Wait, what's what's Nola d- done? To me? And it was before well, hit, I think it goes back to when he hit Bernie.
1: You better have a quick hook. You better not let this thing out. I think the Phillies yeah. were very aware, like, hey, we know how quickly this can get away from him. We're, we're going to nip it in the bud immediately.
0: Yeah, well, it, it you know, then he gets the double play and, sure. he, and they, sat, they sat him back down. But, yeah, it, 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 so the thing that's interesting about that to me is that these are the same two guys you went to in game one, and now you're going to them again or thinking about going to them again in game two. I think it's. I think it speaks a little bit to the to the um, lack of trust in certain guys in that bullpen. Now it could also be. And, and I, do you I don't think wanna, that
1: Gregory Soto is part of that group of players? I mean, I, let me put it this
0: way. And this was the one thing. Look at the relievers that were used in this series: Alvarado, Hoffman, Kimbrell, and then even though you're up seven nothing, Kirkering and Soto. Like you could have used. Whoever in a seven nothing game, and they use Kirkring and Soto. And the reason the thing that I wanted to point out about all those guys is they all throw 97 to 100. So maybe it was the Marlins struggle with a little bit with high velocity. Maybe I think you're going to have to use other guys against Atlanta that are different than those guys. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's they're the only people that they're going to trust at this point. But there, there was a little bit of that thought creeping into my head. Like, you have a, a three-run lead here. and Okay, if you want to pull Mola, fine. But why are you going back to Alvarado here? Like, do you have to? Like, you have other guys out there that you could use in this spot? Why are we going to him now? Do you think that they just still view him as, hey, this is our best
1: guy. We have two days off after this if we win tonight.
0: Let's do it. So I'm, let me pull out the, the scorebook because I, I made a note of when this was. And I, because it was not, it was interesting to me because it was not at a spot that I thought that you would want to have Alvarado warming, necessarily warming up. So it was bottom of the order. So you got Sanchez. Sanchez is at the plate. He hits into the double plate. It gets out, gets out of it. Right. This is in the fifth inning. So Nola had just given up the single to Berger and walked De La Cruz. Okay. Um, and it was a terrible pitch, to be honest with you, on the ball forward to De La Cruz. It was a curveball in the dirt. Like, it was not even close. So, like, maybe that's why you're sitting there saying, okay, this inning could get away from him. Let's have somebody to go. But if you're not bringing him in for Sanchez, why are you going to Alvarado for John Birdie or Jacob Stallings? Like, to me, that doesn't that doesn't equate. Like, you right. want to save Alvarado for – the better part of their lineup. I mean, they got some good hitters. You know, Arias and Soler and Bell. I mean, they're pretty good, pretty good hitters at the top. So why are you going with Alvarado in a spot where you're at the bottom of the lineup? Like, I would, I would think that you would. Maybe if you want to go Hoffman, I understand why, because it's two righties there. Okay, fine. But like, it just didn't make sense to me to have Alvarado up, keep warming up in that spot. So I didn't understand that that part of it. The philosophy of having somebody ready. Okay, fine. I just didn't think it was Alvarado in the fifth inning that made any sense.
1: Yeah. Well, one thing's for sure. They are going to need more than what they used in uh, this series against the Marlins. So whether yes, or not, yes. you know, they go Kirkering over Dominguez. I like the fact that they use Kirkering because one, he still has only made four major league appearances. Correct. Two, I like Correct. the fact that they got him into a postseason game. If they plan to use him, if they really yeah. do plan to make him a thing against the Braves, then yeah, let's get him a taste of the postseason in a no pressure situation. And now let's roll. Um, so, okay. If I said to you on a scale of zero to 100, I guess, give me a percentage. What percentage do you view um, the Ph- Phillies having a chance to win? Like if I say to you, give me like just zero to 100, but, 50%, 100%, 10%. Yeah.
0: Um, I, I, I'm I at 50, man. Like I think that this is – I think this is, a t- this is a toss-up series, and, and I'll tell you, I'm, I keep referencing this one freaking press conference. But I'll t- let's go back and watch, it, guys. Go on YouTube and search the Skip Schumacher press conference. Jason Stark asks him at the very end, it's the last last question of the of the press conference, and it, Jason Stark asks him to kind of handicap, for lack of a better term, Phillies Braves. And the reason he asked him, he says, "Look, you've played these teams twenty-six times this year combined." You know, what what are we gonna what are we gonna see? And Schumacher, it, it, without making a prediction, sounded like he was picking the Phillies. I mean, it, it was the craziest thing. Like he talked about how you know both lineups are really good, um, but then he said he thinks it's going to come down to starting pitching and bullpen. That's when he called Wheeler and Noah the best one-two tandem in the league, and that's when he talked about how good the Phillies bullpen is in comparison. And like he didn't really give props to the to the Braves pitching staff all that much, and so when you sit there and, and you talk glowingly about the Phillies pitchers, and then say the difference in this series is going to be pitching in, and and uh, starting and pitching in bullpen, well, sure as hell sounds like it, there's a manager in the in the sport who thinks the Phillies can beat the Braves, and so I, it, it bumped my belief a little bit. I'm still not going to. I'm I'm not at the point where I can sit there and go oh, yeah, they're definitely going to beat Atlanta. But at the same time, I, I think that it's even more possible. And look, you know I've said on this show for for months, the Phillies, in my mind, are the only team that can beat the Braves in the playoffs, okay? Don't think – I picked the Braves, as we all know. Last week I picked them to win the World Series. So I don't think that the Phillies are the team that beats them. But if anybody can, it's this round. And, and and I'm more confident now than I maybe even was prior to this Marlins series.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I ask you for the percentage because the, the uh, Braves are currently minus 165 to win the NLDS at DraftKings, which equates to a 62.3% implied probability. Mm-hmm. So yeah. odd papers are basically giving the Braves a 62% chance to win this thing.
0: Yeah, and, uh, and I think that – well, the one thing I'll say about that is – is is. They give him the sixty-two percent chance, right? But I think that that's designed. Sure. Well, I don't think I don't think I don't think I know that that's designed to get money on both sides, yes. right? I mean, to get money going both ways. So you probably have to say, okay, if that's what they're doing to try and get money on both sides, it's probably closer to. The Philly side, that's the reality.
1: I would imagine that the Braves are probably inflated a little bit at sports books, uh, including in game one, in which they're a minus 205 favorite. And I think that that's interesting is that they're a, basically a two to one favorite in game one, but yet the series odds are only 165. Like, and this isn't a gambling podcast, I get it. But if you're like, I have no idea what the hell these guys are talking about, they're basically telling you, like, hey, Land is a pretty strong favorite to win game one. We're not so sure about the series though.
0: Right. Exactly. I, well, and I think that those, that those odds could change depending on who the Phillies starter ends up being. I mean, I think they're assuming that Strider is going to go game one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not convinced that that's the case. And I, the reason I say that is because you now know Zach Wheeler's lined up for games two and five in this series, mm-hmm. Right. Um barring rain in, in Atlanta on Monday. That's the only way. I mean, if a game gets rained out Monday night and it gets pushed to Tuesday, is the only way Zach Wheeler doesn't pitch two and five. If you're the Braves, do you try and get Strider on Wheeler? Yeah. So, I, I you know, you can still get two starts out of Strider. It's, it's not like you're losing him. Like, what's the difference between one and four and two and five? Like – do you try and put Strider against Wheeler? And so, like, that's why I think that those game one odds could move depending on who the two teams select as their starters for game one.
1: I don't want to do this thing where I'm like, oh, you know, Citizens Bank Park in October. Like, I think that's real, by the way. I'm not dismissing that. But, like,
0: you know, the other – Best record of any ballpark – best home record for any team in any ballpark in the history of Major League Baseball in the playoffs.
1: I have a chance to eat my words here, but the other reason why I would consider Spencer Strider in games, uh, you know, games two and five is, what does that do for you? Avoids
0: avoids Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah.
1: And you know, maybe they don't. Maybe the Braves don't care. Maybe Spencer Strider's uh, an ice cold killer. I I don't know, but it doesn't feel that way. Let me
0: ask you a question about that, Bob. Because, and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I really thought that that whole video thing that he did with, you know, John no Boy. fans, right, get the get the fans out of the lower bowl and all that, like, I, I completely took it tongue-in-cheek. I didn't think that he was being – because like they say, you know, give, give us your most takey baseball thing, whatever, you know. And, it, and he was like, oh, yeah, no more fans. We don't need fans. Like, I mean, I, come on. Do you really think he's saying that? I know people are eating eating that up in this city right now, and they are all want him there so they can boo the hell out of him. Let me ask you <laughs> this. Does it matter? <laughs> Does it matter if it's tongue-in-cheek? Like, yeah, he, People take that
1: because he, he can say, like, he can follow up. Maybe he has. I don't know. I haven't really been tracking his, his take on the fans too closely. But even if he says, like, God, come on, I was obviously kidding. You're like, no, you weren't. You know, you can
0: you can make that story whatever you want it to be. But I think it's this, Bob. I mean, seriously, I mean, how much crazier can Citizens Bank Park really get? I mean, it's going to be if he's pitching or not pitching, it's going to be the same, right? Well, he's an easy guy though. Like he's an easy guy for
1: this fan base to to latch on to. Yeah, yeah. Because they got him last year in the playoffs. He's returned the favor with some good games against the Phillies the mustache, the tight pants, everyone rides them. Like, ah, oh, he's, he's one of the, he's a flamethrower. He's one of the game's best pitchers. Like, it's just, it, it has all the ingredients to be a guy that this fan base wants to just absolutely see fail miserably. Yeah. Um, you know, and like, I get it. I understand that. It's it's just so interesting because I think that this city now uh, is, is like pretty much bought in on the idea that not only can the Phillies win this series, but that, that that they will. And it's, there's like this acknowledgement that yes, we know that the Braves are historically good from an offensive perspective, but who, who cares? You know, like yeah. we're good too. And, and if you really break this thing down player by player, like you can make a case that the Phillies have the edge, at least in the front of the starting rotation. I, I don't know that I would go that far because Freed is the, the great unknown. Like if he's at his best and Strider's at his best, I, I have to take Strider over Nola in this moment. But, like, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I think the Phillies do have a little bit of an edge in the bullpen. The question is, though, is that Atlanta lineup – we know the Phillies lineup's good. Like, we know that they've been really good in the second half. But, like, they haven't been Atlanta good this season. Atlanta's been consistently awesome. The Phillies have had stretches of, of being that team. Is the gap between the Phillies and the Braves so significant offensively that any advantage that they have in the bullpen or maybe a, even a, a minuscule edge in the, the rotation, is it kind of negated? And I, I think that's the, the key question here.
0: I, I think that what the Phillies will tell you is that you can look at the gap however you want to look at it, but the fact that they finished 14 games behind the Braves doesn't matter
1: right? because they're both right. in the
0: same place right now. Yeah. And so, really, that's you know, it's it's can you beat this team three times in five games? Th- that's what it really comes down to. The, and they don't care that they finished 14 games behind the break; right? it doesn't make a difference to them. You know, they got they got here, and they're going to play that team, and they feel like they can beat that team. I, and I feel I, that's one thing I got kind of just out of that clubhouse last night, even though the partying was a little bit subdued, was that they believe that they could beat that. Beat the Braves like they don't, There's no, there's no. Uh oh, we're facing that historic mm-hmm. lineup. It's like no, we we can do this. We're just yeah. as good as they are. They they firmly believe that, and they don't think that the record makes a difference. So, that's really all that matters. I mean, we can sit here and analyze it, you know, every which way, and you know that we can. It all that matters is. Do they feel like they can beat the team? And if they feel like they can beat them, they can beat them.
1: Well, I was happy to see that I made four hor- or three horrible, horrible divisional round predictions. <laughs> um, so if you go game by game, I, I think I ended up, uh, what, two and six overall, <laughs> Like, uh, but good. The good thing is, is that it got the Phillies right. Maybe not the how they got there, but the fact that they did. Um like well, any other big takeaways uh through the, the wild card round, T- to be perfectly honest with you, I'm a little bit bummed out that we're not getting some like winner take all game today. It kind of, kind of sucks from a, a drama standpoint.
0: Yeah, and you know this was the this was the inherent risk, Bob, of going to this playoff format that eventually it would get to a point where teams are getting into the playoffs that. Are a little bit overmatched right right um because usually your top and it, the way it turns out that the, the most the, the the two that were most lopsided were the Phillies Marlins which we thought would be a little bit more lopsided but the Rangers and the Rays which no one expected to be that lopsided that in that direction the Rays won 99 games and scored grand total of what two runs. In in, their, in the in the playoffs, so um, yeah, I I'm I'm disappointed. There's no game today, game game three for us to enjoy. But um, the our, our the thing of it is, we record when we recorded th- those predictions. Okay, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a little bit of a reprieve. When we recorded those predictions, we didn't know about the Brandon Woodruff shoulder injury in Milwaukee. I think. Because we texted about it as soon as the story broke, and we both said the Brewers are in trouble now, um, and that was before Game One even happened. So, if we had that foresight, we may have picked the Diamondbacks in that series. So, I'd give you a little bit of a pass for picking the Brewers. I, pro- I I'm on the same boat with you because I I picked the Brewers too, um, but I wouldn't have if if I had known about that injury.
1: Yeah, I was totally wrong on the uh, the Toronto thing. I mean, I just That's kind the of one
0: that I want to I'm going to I was going to give you a hard time about.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you were right. I was wrong. I am I am stupid. You are smart. Um, <laughs> I just I was I was surprised. One that, that Gaussman Gosman wasn't better. Um, and then you know, listen. I sometimes I think I talked about this earlier. Like, if you hang around long enough, you know, eventually a trend will will reverse. And I sort of thought, well, you know, Toronto has some talent in that offense. Eventually it's going to show up. And now that they're in the playoffs, maybe it shows up and it, it didn't. It just was more of the same, which is like, Hey, I'm looking at all these individual names in this lineup and I expect it to be better. And uh, they just were absolutely dominated by, by both twins starting pitchers and actually the, the bullpens as well, uh, or the bullpen as well. So, I mean, they just had nothing. And and the raise, it was the same thing. Like, how could you be so punchless?
0: Yeah. Well, so this kind of ties into what I wanted to get to with with one last thing, um, and so I'll just I'll throw it out there now. Um, I think that there are two things that bother me in in baseball, maybe a little bit more than any other, come playoff time. One is the Tampa Bay Rays,
1: <laughs>
0: and I say that because. I think that they're bad for the sport. The way they operate, they try and uh, they try and be really cheap. They blow through pitchers like they're, you know, like they're robots. They don't they don't care how injured the, their pitchers get. They just find another guy that does the same thing and until he gets hurt and then find another guy and then find another guy. I mean, it says something when the the biggest contract you've ever given to a player is $40 million to Zach Eflin. Okay. Okay. That's that tells you a little bit about that organization. But it's the same thing year in and year out, minus the 2020 season, because that you know, that one doesn't shouldn't count uh, when they went to the World Series. But they are good in the regular season and then they are terrible in the playoffs. It just does not translate. So I think it's I think they're bad for baseball. And they set a record, Bob. They try to make it out they're like, oh, they got all these fans down there. Build this new stadium in St. Petersburg, whatever. First, they had the lowest attendance for two playoff games since 1919. Just get them the hell out of there! I cannot believe that they are that the league is committing it, committing itself to that market for baseball going forward. It's an embarrassment to the sport. So that's,
1: yeah, one. I, I, I agree with you. I, I just, I just, let me just chime in on that real quick. I used yeah. to be, they used to be the team that I would say like, Oh, it's cool. They're mixing things up. Look at the rays. Now they're a waste of time. Like mm-hmm. they, it, it's a shame that they occupy a spot. I, I do not think that there is a team that I find less compelling on an annual basis than the Tampa Bay rays. And I used to, I used to be like, Oh, look, they're, they're taking down the, the big bad Red Sox and the Yankees and, look what they do with so little financial resourcing it's embarrassing and i don't think it's good for the sport at all not to mention what i think that there's a developmental issue and how they utilize their pitchers as well um but that's a a separate story for a different day get get the rays out of here
0: yeah i agree I, i just don't i just don't like what they do for the sport of baseball and my number two that drives me crazy every october is managers who overmanage. And I'm going to call on John Schneider for what he did yesterday. Jose Barrios is pitching really well. That's the only was three and a third innings, whatever. How not he give up a run? And he pulls him from the game in a scoreless game to go to the bullpen, to which the Twins immediately score off of and ends up, you know, blue Jays don't hit but it ends up being the difference in the game. And I said to myself, what the hell is he thinking? Like that's that's like Grady Little Pedro kind of mistake level. Like yeah. what? The guy hasn't given up anything and it's only the fourth inning. Why are you pulling him? He's he's a starter. It's not like he's a an opener and you you know you got the most out of him. Okay, great. Thanks for the three innings. He's a he's one of your guys. You know, I mean, and you have to, not only do you have to win that game, but then you have to win a game three. So why the hell are you going to burn your bullpen for six innings hoping to win and then have to do it again the next day? It made zero sense to me, and I'm sitting there saying to myself, that's a fireable offense. And I think managers do this all the time in the playoffs. They overthink. Dave Roberts is a classic over manager in the yep. playoffs, and that's there's a reason the Dodgers don't win other than 2020 again asterisk season. um You know these guys, it happens constantly, and I I take it back to 2016 when Joe Maddon with with uh, the way he was using a Rollers Chapman almost lost the World Series for the Cubs. You know let let Cleveland come back. Like that, I don't yep. know why managers suddenly forget how to manage baseball in the playoffs that drives me crazy too
1: amen 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 are you an amen guy or an amen guy you're good well it depends on right? if
0: you're actually in church uh-huh then it's the ah uh.
1: is it okay. because well Did because it's you know good? why
0: and this is this is because it's it's musical it's lyrical uh-huh. right because usually you're chanting it right so you the uh, ah man, amen. Man, right yeah. it, it, it's, it's easier like the a is too flat nasal Mm-hmm. Right, so if you're yeah. singing or chanting, you don't want a nasal sound. You want yeah, something that's, that's more right. So, but so you're in church, it has to be amen. I'd talking- like to get Craig.
1: I'd like to get Craig to put in like an edit on this, like one of those uh NBC things from back in the '90s. The more you know, flying over the <laughs> screen right now.
0: But yeah. yes, in general conversation, just outside of church, it's amen, amen, yeah. brother. All yes. right, now we know. uh <laughs> Do you have anything else? I know that was one last thing. I'm actually good here. Uh, anything yeah, else? Yeah, no, no. Uh, look, the I, order. I've debated this, Bob. I've debated this for twenty—well, not twenty-four hours, but for since yesterday. Um, <laughs> I might, I, You're going to do it. I, I, I may change my pick. Nah, you have no spine. <laughs> I may change my pick.
1: Prisoner I, of just, the
0: moment, you are. I'm not, and I, that's the thing. Like, I just—I'm getting this. I'm just getting the sense. of just following along with what's going on. I'm thinking. Look, well, I'll do it. I'll do it. Phillies win this series in five games. Wow! In down it, in Atlanta. It's in Atlanta. Five. Like in
1: about Atlanta. That? Yeah. Wouldn't that be something? After all this home field advantage, home field advantage. It's actually the Phillies that go out. Without the comfort and security of Citizens Bank Park and drop the hammer on the big bad Braves in a game five. How about that? Yeah. You know, you know what's interesting is saying like there's so much confidence from this city and this fan base that the Phillies can do it. You talk to people down in Atlanta and Braves fans, are like they're going to fucking smoke the Phillies. Like there yeah, is no, like they just, there's like a, a, almost like a level of disrespect. Like it is. It ain't going to happen. Uh, which it, it sets up like a nice little, I can't wait to take in the back and forth between the fan bases online over the next few days. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what I, I wrote this morning. Um, so I said, I don't know about you, but I've had a hard time sizing up a Phillies Braves NLDS rematch and finding a way to back the Phillies without resorting to things like vibes, good lineup, big arms back of the bull, in the back of the bullpen, Zach Wheeler, but this Braves team is good. It's crazy. Good. But with the way the Phillies are playing right now, with this version of Aaron Nola, maybe I'm a prisoner of the moment, but I feel that skepticism that I have felt in my gut all season long, slowly turning into belief. Mm-hmm. I'm still picking the Braves and I'm a coward uh, for doing this because now I get to play it both ways. I can say, well, I I thought maybe they could do it, but I, I wasn't totally sure I'm going to pick well, the Braves. I, okay. I have to. I've been there all year. Yeah. But man, Let me tell you this. Phillies win this series, which I do believe they can. Like, I'm not telling you, like, I don't have Braves in three. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't know. I, all you have to do is go back to my, my divisional or my wild card round predictions to know that I don't know a, a thing, mm-hmm. but I, I just can't move off of five months of thinking something and, and then going against it because I saw the Phillies beat up the Marlins while the Braves sat idle. I just can't do it.
0: So I'll tell you why I can. Because all along, and, and we're just, I don't want to be repetitive, but I mean, I think you were, were had been in agreement with me. All along, I have felt and have said publicly, the Phillies can beat the Braves. I'm not going to pick them two, but they can they're the they are the team that can do it. I don't think anybody else can in the, in the sport. I think it's just the Phillies. If whoever and I've said to you before I think it was I don't know it was last show two shows ago it might have been two shows ago. Phillies play the Braves, whoever wins that series wins the World Series.
1: Yeah, I actually stole that line from you and made it my own today in the newsletter. I wrote that. <laughs> I said that the winner and I didn't credit you either. Uh,
0: <laughs> that's all good.
1: I said uh I say, yeah, the winner of this, this series is going to win the world series. I I, I fully, fully agree with that. I fully believe that. Um, yeah. And, and I think and that so, kind of speaks to my belief in the Phillies in, in general terms.
0: Right. And so, and so because of that, because I've, because I've felt that strongly about how good the Phillies are. Just because I originally picked the Braves and thought, okay, they're the best team, they're the best team. But when now I see how things are lining up and I see where the Braves are situationally pitching wise. And yes, Nola being, you know, showing some signs gives you a little bit more confidence. And then you hear people around the game just kind of talking about it a little bit. Like this is Mm -hmm. a this is a big buzz thing in the for the national guys in the press box yesterday, too. Like there's a real belief that this can happen, that the Phillies can beat this team. And Yeah, it kind of pushes me back the other way. I was never strongly Braves over Phillies. I always felt that the Braves were the better team and would win the series. But I just got pushed slightly the other way. And I'm only slightly the other way now. But I'm I'm willing to stick my neck out a little bit and pick the Phillies to win the series.
1: I like it. All right, well, listen, uh, we will be back on... I don't know. Monday, Sunday, we'll figure it out. We're going to, yeah. we'll have a show between games one and two for you. Yes. How about that? Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll work out the uh, logistics on that. Uh, and we will talk to you then uh, for Anthony Sanfilippo. Uh, I'm Bob Wankel. We'll follow Anthony at Ann Follow me on Twitter, Bob underscore Wankel. We'll read the Red October uh, Philly newsletter. Uh, you can go to RedOctoberPhilly.com, uh, backslash subscribe, or just redoctoberphilly.com. You'd also check out Anthony's coverage of the Phillies on Crossing Broad uh, and make sure that you're also checking out the Snow to goalie podcast and the other million things that Anthony does. All right. See you later. (laughs)